murder. Swerving with my circus, looking for a purpose. Pseudo clean record. Hope got yeah, so I got the last last president uh, today. That way, I'll I'll wrap it up, and it'll be from you know one of the girls to to the wife. Um, but other than that, yeah, man, we're done. Uh, yeah. Christmas Christmas prep wise, just waiting on uh, waiting on Santa to slide his fat ass down that chimney Sunday night. <laughs> so you went shopping on the winter solstice, shortest day of the year. Good news is all the days get longer from here on out. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't. I, I went shopping on my phone. It's the joy of the joy at Amazon. Thank you, Jeff Bezos. Appreciate that, dude. I yeah, love Amazon. Pretty nice of him. Love Amazon. I think ninety nine percent of my shopping was done on Amazon this year. I had one gift that I still ordered online. I got it from an online shop or whatever, but everything else was just Amazon. And it's not even about the buying; it's the returning. They make the returning so yeah. convenient. That's okay. Like, hey, I'll buy three of them or. Maybe I'll buy both of these and I'll just take the one back to the UPS store down the street and you don't yep. have to wrap it up, dude. You just drop that shit off. They just take yeah. it. Great. Holy that. Have you seen uh so Walmart? So Walmart has Walmart Plus now. And yeah. if you sign up for Walmart Plus, I forget how much it is. It's 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 like 70 bucks a year or something like that. It's free delivery. And so the Walmart here, we don't like to go to it because it's ghetto fabulous. What? You don't like to go to Walmart. What kind Dude, of un-American like communist are you? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, so I'll, I'll rephrase that. I like to go to Walmart when I'm feeling bad about myself and my position in life. I go to Walmart and then I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> like, we're good. Like, things are things are going really well. Um, and, uh, but so, you know, our Walmart, it's a super Walmart, so it has groceries. So it's like, dude. Like, do the bulk of your grocery shopping, and you get it delivered same day. You go in, you're like, here you go, done. Dump it at the door, and it's like, this is amazing. Now, you know, I was doing that Instacart for a while, uh, which is awesome. It's incredible. And I think when I signed up for it originally, uh, I can't remember if I wasn't paying anything, if I spent over a certain amount, or maybe it was like 99 cents or something like that. But, dude, one, that thing was fantastic. The only thing that pisses me off about it is you don't get your points. For like, because we we get fuel points out here, which is pretty big deal. Because like, when I filled up uh, the other day, dude, I got eighty cents off a gallon, you know, which is thirty three gallon tank. I mean, you can do the math. So they take the points or whatever. But other than that, dude, that's convenient as hell. And and now with Costco being down the street, it's it's just easier to go get everything in bulk anyway. But yeah, we don't have a for us to go to Costco. It's an hour away. So yeah. But yeah, now I am going I broke because this Costco is so close because it's uh, it's literally like a mile down the street. And I've always wanted like a Costco and a Whole Foods to be like right there. And we just yeah. it's never been that way. We have one in the next town over and it's it's like 25 minutes it. to get out there. And then, you know, you all the paper can be packed up. Yeah, You said Whole Foods. Yeah. What? Nothing. I don't have a Whole Foods here. We have a Sprouts no, but, is what we have. I know, but you you said you want to live near a Whole Foods because that's where you'd shop. Yeah, and they're owned by Amazon. I can take shit back there. Why wouldn't I? Whole paycheck. Well, I mean, it's just like Costco. Well, I I go to Whole Foods when I feel bad about myself because I'm the healthiest looking person at any Whole Foods at any given time. Everybody in Whole Foods walking around looks like they have AIDS, and they're looking down at you because they know you, Roger, are not sticking to your vegan diet. It's the absolute – I'd rather shop in a Walmart. (laughs) <laughs> I'd rather deal with Walmart people. Put it to that. Okay. 
I'd rather deal with Walmart people. I would have a group of Walmart people over to my house before I would have a group of Whole Foods people. Those are some of the worst people on the planet. So I'm not bagging on you because you shop at Whole Foods because it is good food. I'll give it. I'll give you. Well, that. I don't shop at Whole Foods. It's just I know, but you would if you could. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! But yeah, dude, it, you man, you'd be one of the few Whole. I'd be looking down on you if I didn't know you walking through a Whole Foods. I'd be like this motherfucker. I don't like this guy. But you'd be walking I, through it with me. So I, I, I don't go to Whole Foods. I go to Trader Joe's. We have a Trader, Trader Joe's, Joe's here. But oh, you know what? The nice. thing is, when it comes to certain spices and vegetables and fruits and vegetables, like our so our Trader Joe's is pretty awesome with like the flowers. And if you're looking for like great frozen stuff, like especially like Indian foods, fantastic. But like the fruits and vegetables, it's meh. And you know, whatever I need, fruits and vegetable wise, because especially when I do the vegan thing. It's like it's Whole Foods has it all, and it's way better looking than the Walmart, you know, superstore uh, is going to have. Mm. Yeah, no, you're right, you, Luke. You're right on the Whole Foods thing, though. Every time I go in there, you can tell who shops there on the regular. Ted <laughs> and Ted, our listener, they, they, he's dude, a big Whole all, Foods guy. No, they're dude. They're all gaunt and yellow. I mean, they do. They do look sickly. I, I agree with Luke on it. Like they do look sickly. There's yes, no, yeah. you ever see people, they look, and a lot of them look like Mark Zuckerberg. You ever see anybody, meet anybody in person who have zero muscle tone, none whatsoever? That's where they're obese. You know what? I, I've seen a lot of obese people in uh, not just the, the Whole Foods, but like Trader Joe's because they assume that because it's a Whole Foods or a Trader Joe's or a Sprouts, that everything in there is healthy. And it's like, hey, uh, fat ass, uh, the Ho-Ho's inside I mean, of Sprouts. It's just as fattening as the ho hos inside. Well, Walmart. that's fine. I mean, they gotta they gotta start somewhere. I mean, I'd rather see yeah. them in Whole Foods. You know, uh, uh, you know, getting some some actual you know, Whole Food. Um, you know, as opposed to you know, in the center of Walmart. Uh, you know, grabbing cheesy poofs and you know everything else. Um, but yeah, nah, man, I, I I agree with Luke, man. A lot of people yeah. at Whole Foods, they look sick. They don't. They they they're all gotten yellow. They they do not look good. Well, it's a good thing I don't go to Whole Foods to to meet people and make friends. I I go there to buy my vegetables. I uh, Josh just reminded me of something. So tonight was probably my last gym workout for for the year because you know it's Christmas coming up. Have you been working out? Let me check. Hold on. Uh, Go ahead. I'll check. Yeah, yeah. Almost closed my ring today, but uh, yeah. Anyway. After New Year's is one of my least favorite times to go to the gym. Uh, I say the month of January. Which one's mine? Uh, well, Josh is actually leading us all with 688 calories burned. You're at well, 558, and I'm 645. And your wife, who is a cheater, okay? One, everybody, that's all our listeners out there, so Luke's wife cheats. She puts her, her Apple watch on the dog and the Greyhound bus and the, the neighborhood kid delivering the newspapers. She's at 1,200 calories, dude. Yeah, well, she works out all day. That's a first, Josh, being in the lead. Uh, but anyway, after the, the New Year's resolution thing, when everybody shows up to the gym uh, for the month of January and maybe the first weekend of February, hate that time. And I also hate May, like mid-April to May, where everybody's like, I got to get my beach body on. got to get my summer body. A bunch of people in there just goofing around. Can't stand it. Can't stand it. Man, I'm no, that's Josh why is I texting like, somebody. He's telling he tells me to like, off. 
that's why I like working out in the gym here. Finally, the weather's cool, obviously, and it is, you know, because my gym down the road here is, I mean, it's a mile away, but, you know, by the time you get dressed and you go down there and, and you check in, get all your stuff, it's, it's 20 minutes versus like here, I only have to find enough motivation. I need to find about 15 seconds of motivation because, you know, once you get in there and start working out, it, it, you're good. But it's like, hey, man, I just need to be able to walk that 10 yards to get to the garage. And I find that I'm much more consistent doing that versus the uh, actually driving to the gym. See, I'm just different than you guys. And that, there's nothing wrong with with you guys. Like Josh, his wife had to tell him to leave the house. He hadn't left in like three weeks. And I think Roger kind of the same way, likes to spend time around the house. And I just I have to get out. I have to get out you know, at least once a day. And, you know, it's quite a trek to our gym. It's it's at least 25 minutes away. And I look forward to that. It's that 25 minutes I can listen to my podcast or whatever and then, you know, swing by the store, pick up a six-pack on the way home and a pounder or a roadie. (laughs) You know, I just like getting out. I, I, you know, work from home now, and i got to get out of the damn house, man. But I understand where you guys are coming from. I mean, you get nested in there. you got that nesting instinct just like any other female of your stature. (laughs) <laughs> no nah, man it's good you know i mean we you know uh, you know put some stuff in the garage during during the vid and uh you know now it's it's one of those things now it's like okay i spent a little bit of money putting this stuff in here it's hard for me to turn around and on top of that go get a gym membership right especially for a gym that for uh you know for me too the gym the closest one that I would go to, it's 20 minutes away. And it's like, okay, that's 20 minutes. That's an hour. That's 20 yep. minutes back. And I know me, I would probably find a reason of, well, I'm just not going to make it today. Cause I got to get in there. You know, I got to get in the car and go drive. It's just for me, it's, you know, it's like, Hey, I'll be in the garage, you know, and I go in there for an hour, yeah. um, you know, and do it. Uh, but I have, man, I'm a home. I, yeah, I, I am kind of a homebody. Um, I like to, you know, I, I like to travel, but just in our little area, and you guys know the area, I just, dude, I just like, I'm, I'm good with not going out because I know what's going to happen. We're going to go somewhere. There's only so many places to go here because it's not that, you know, there, there's not that much. I'm going to see five people I know and, you know, three of them. You know, I probably don't like the other two don't like me. Um, so <laughs> now, Luke, so do you have man? like a little town center to go to or anything? Like, I, I've never been to, to out where you're at. No. So, do you have like a kind of like you know, like our town? I mean, you drive two mm-hmm. miles, you get a no little there, small city. There's a, a sh- I mean, it's it's 1100 people out here, and it's only about uh, you know, it's it, it, Lubbock, Texas is famous for you know, no matter where you are in town, you're 20 minutes away from anything. Right. Everything is 20 minutes away around here because we've got a loop that goes all the way around town, whatever. And we have a little area uh, where we you exit the canyon to, you know, go into town. But there's the only thing that's there is a 24 hour gym. But there, and then there's, you know, like six storefronts, but nothing's in there. So that's a can I tell you guys a story real quick about about Ransom Canyon? What happened last night? Yeah. yeah. OK, because it kind of it kind of goes into this and maybe get some feedback from the audience and you guys. But. So last night, you know, um, so everybody puts out lights in Ransom Canyon and people from town. I don't know why they do this. We used to do an Amarillo with Bishop Hills. My Amarillo listeners know what I'm talking about. You drive out to this area and you just drive real slow and look at all the lights. 
<laughs> you got yeah. And it's very annoying when I'm when we're trying to get home at night. It's like, oh my god, you know, we're behind all these people. So last night I, I was I was already home, and my wife uh, she she works in the evenings most nights, and uh, she gets home, and we had to work out a code after this happened because she calls me. I saw her pull in, you know, I saw her pull in from you know we had a balcony. I, I see the truck pull in, and she calls me, and I'm like, what the hell? She goes, come out on the balcony right now. I was like, what the hell? What is, is there some deer out there you want me to see? She's like calling me about deer. Hey, look at the deer or look at this. She's like, just get out on the balcony. I'm like, okay. So I walk out on the balcony and parked right in front of our house on the far side of the street is this white Cadillac Escalade. And you guys know uh, the experience we've been in. You can walk and look at a situation and be like, okay, something bad is going on here. And I saw it immediately. Something bad was going on. In that Cadillac Escalade, two of the doors were open. I could hear people yelling. I could hear children's voices, and I saw hands flying in there. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't know, maybe sixty feet away from this, and I see hands flying. And I immediately go back in the house. I get my pistol and I tuck it in my, you know, appendix carry just, just in case, because I ain't going down to solve some kind of domestic dispute in front of my house. But I'm also not going to be unarmed. I had no intention of doing anything. I just wanted to be armed. Uh, so it's getting bad. I, I don't know how to describe it other than it's getting heated down there. And I can hear, hear children's voices. And the children who are screaming because there's some conflict going on, violent conflict. I'm like, okay, it's time to call 911. So I call 911, uh, give them the situation, tell them who I am, all that stuff. And I'm explaining to them, okay, now they're, they're facing east. They're going to go east this way. They're going to turn around and go west, whatever. And I'm explaining it to him this. I was like, you need to dispatch the police out here like right now. She goes, I'm already on it. Uh, they're already dispatched. Okay, cool. So anyway, they they eventually wrap up whatever they're doing. I don't think anything happened. They shut the doors. They pull a U-turn and they leave, right? So I'm. they leave and my wife's all shaken up and she's like, oh, well, that was crazy. And I'm like, yeah, no, that was pretty cool. You know what I mean? It's bad the kids were in, but I mean, I, I, that's, I'm kind of jazzed now. Um, <laughs> so... But I thought, I thought, you know what? I, I described a white SUV because I couldn't see the plates. I couldn't see the, the name or anything. But as I'm, I'm formulating my mind, after I got off 911, I'm in the kitchen. I was like, that was either a Cadillac Escalade or a Lincoln Navigator for sure. So white SUV, man, every road, every SUV on the road is, is white, you know, probably 60% of them. So I text the chief of police. We've got a chief of police and three police officers. That's it for this entire town. I'm sure the chief of police knows what's going on right now because we can see police lights, you know, on the other side of the lake going back and forth. So I text the police chief to try to help him out. And I'm like, hey, look, the SUV was a large SUV, probably a Cadillac Escalade or a, or a Lincoln Navigator. It's not like a forerunner or a four-door Jeep. He immediately calls me and he's like, hey, what are you talking about? And I'm like, uh, well, well, this just happened about, 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 I don't know, five, 10 minutes ago. And I can already see your police officers are stopping cars. So I'm just want you to know what SUV it is. And I don't know what he was thinking, but he goes, you know, with all the training I know you have, it seems to me you probably would call 911 before texting me. Wow. And I'm like, buddy, I did call 911. Let me ask you this. Do you not have a scanner inside your house? No, man. Because most times people, you know, they're going to text me in the middle of the night saying their dog ran away. And I'm like, 
brother. <laughs> All right. Just wanted you to know. And I just kind of hung up and uh, I got really upset about that because I see a, a town of 1100 people like this being like a Mayberry type of place. The chief of police, we don't have, you know, the sheriff is Lubbock County. So that that's, that's big time sheriff, but we do have a chief of police and I like the guy, but in my opinion, the chief of police should be like Andy Griffith. Everybody should know him. Uh, he should know everybody, you know, all the, all the little ins and outs of what's going on in the community. And I don't think that, I think he could be like that, but I don't think the city leaders are holding him to that standard. I think he could be like that, but I think that they're holding him back from being like that. So I texted my buddy, uh, listener Rodney, and I was like, F it, I'm going to run for mayor. And he, he texts me back this morning. And he's like, it was this a drunk text or are you actually serious? Because, <laughs> and I was like, you know, now that I've had a few hours to think about it, I, I, I think I might. I think I might run for mayor because not that our mayor's doing a horrible job, but I do think that there needs to be some accountability around here. So what do you guys think? It sounds Y'all like he's complacent though, right? I mean, oh, it sounds yeah, like he's complacent. just overly complacent. I eh, never had anything happen here. I mean, you know, yeah. I guess my here's my question. At what point? So let's say the vehicle stayed there. And, you know, whatever's going on the inside the vehicle is, is going on. At what point do you actually go intervene or do you? Mm. I know we, we've actually talked about this before a little bit, but uh, at what point do you actually go down there and knock on the window or approach the vehicle or what have you? If it was... I think that I would have because they started pulling off when I was on nine one one, right? So let's say that they didn't pull off. I'm still on with nine one one. When I start seeing or hearing children getting beat up, that's when I start moving. I put nine one one on speaker and I put it in my back pocket and I go down there with uh, with the pistol at the low ready, and that's just all there is to it. I think I think at that point when I hear children getting beat up on, that's when I got to go down there and do something, but it's like Michelle was saying, we don't know who these people are. They're from Lubbock. I mean, who knows if they've got, you know, weapons in the vehicle, who knows? And as, as any cop will tell you, dude, the last incident you want to respond to is domestic. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's a dangerous thing. And I, that was all going through my head, but I don't know, Josh, what, what do you think? If you're in that situation and it keeps escalating, like what? Yeah. <laughs> That's a dude. That's a tough situation. Like you said, you know, the a domestic, especially a domestic in a vehicle. Like that's where it's because you know the most dangerous time for a cop is a traffic stop, and you're a traffic stop of a domestic. Uh, that's who you've got them both. I, but I, I, I think I'm with you. I think what's ah oh man. I, I think not just the kids, but if if some big you know some dudes in there and he's you know he's he's wailing on his wife and you know and she's you know, it, it, you know, if she's getting beat, like, you know, Ali beat Joe Frazier, like, okay, then, then yeah, I, I think at that point you got to step in. Um, but here's the thing. You have to be, you step in, you have to be prepared to go all the way. Oh like yeah. You got to, you have to be mentally, you, you got to go already, you know, and be like, okay, I'm willing, I am willing to utilize my weapon to end this dude. Yeah. Because once you once you intervene, dude, you don't know what's going to happen. And well, dude, ooh. the the reason I said I would 
you know, put 911 on speaker and put that thing in my back pocket. Or if I had a, you know, a front pocket, I put that right there. Because when you go through the class, when you used to go through the class, the concealed carry in Texas, which y'all don't agree with, but I actually learned a lot from that eight hour course is one dude was actually like, you know, they, they, they put a case in front of us. I'm not going to describe what the case was, but the guy basically shot someone who was robbing the neighbor's house and the dude was running away and he shot him. And the instructor was like, so do you think this guy got off or not? And we're like, Oh no, that dude's a jail. And they're like, Nope, he got off Scott clean because he was on with nine one one the whole time. He was saying what he was going to do. And according to Texas law, dude, he was justified in that shoot. So it's like, I would know they were on the phone. I would handle myself in a way that they're on the phone, knowing that this is going to be used as evidence against me. So I'm going to handle it the right way. And I I think in Texas, I think that shoot would be probably clean. But what you got to remember, everybody's got to remember, you discharge your weapon, right or wrong, you're going to have a civil suit. And you're going to pay for it, period. So you better, like Josh was saying, you take that thing out, you better like prepare yourself before the incident right now. You know, everyone who carries, when you pull that thing out, be ready to deal with those consequences because it's serious. And maybe sometimes it's worth just walking away. Maybe not in this case, woman getting beat up, kid. But remember, boy, that's a serious thing. (laughs) that's a serious thing you pull that thing out pull the trigger man oh man yeah Nah, that's a what you dude and that's the thing is you know you go down there at the low ready or whatever you know however you know however you want to handle it but it's dude as soon as you know as soon as you break leather so to speak you're committed you know you better be prepared like you said for for what happens afterwards um and i don't think a lot of well uh, yeah, I'll say it. I don't think a lot of people who carry are mentally prepared to use that. I, I don't think they are. I really don't. I mean, I you know, most of us are good because we've been in situations, you know, uh, you know, in various countries where we, you know, actually, actually had to fire our weapon. Um, but a lot of people, a lot of people run around carrying. I don't think they're. I don't think they're mentally prepared to pull that thing out. And actually take somebody's life. Oof. Just the emotional it's, stress, right? Like even like Luke's yeah. saying, I mean, like even if you're 100 percent in the right, one, there's going to be a civil suit, which I think is all BS anyway. That pisses me off. The civil suit stuff pisses me off when there's no criminal charge that goes along with it. And that's what you're really suing for, right? Um, but even if you're 100 percent in the right, just the emotional stress, stress that you're going to go through for the next uh, year up to two years. I mean, we've known people that have gone through this stuff, dude. And it's crazy. And that's what I was telling my boy, you know, and he's calmed down a little bit, you know, when he was 18, he's up full of piss and vinegar. Dad, would I get to conceal carry? Da, da, da. I'm like, Hey man. And, and I was, you know, telling him the same thing that, that Luke and, and Josh were just saying, it's like, Hey, it's a big deal, man. I mean, it, it's, you know, it's like, that's why you have escalation of force, you know, obviously in a perfect situation with something like that, you'd, you know, you try to approach the vehicle. So maybe the guy sees me, you know, and the gun, you know, he sees the, you know, the print of the weapon or I have the weapon down. So that way you're not actually going up to, to engage, but you know, the minute you do it, it's uh, dude, you're in for a ride, man. And, and you know, the nine one one thing, depending on where you're at. So I'm not going to go into to a whole lot of the details, but I had to call nine one one many years ago in Maryland of all places. So uh, I called nine one one. They connected me with the local sheriff's office or whatever. 
and they were talking. So it, it was going to be like 10, 15 minutes for they to get a car out there. And it was a situation that I had to get involved in physically. And uh, I was like, you know, so I'm on the phone and I literally asked, I was like, Hey, what do you like? Can I physically restrain this individual and, and do what I got to do to take this individual to the ground? They're like, yes, absolutely. Until the sheriff gets there. Hmm. Like, that's all I needed to know, man. You know, and, and I didn't have any, you know, you know, uh, previous history or anything like that or experience with that. I just, I didn't, I, I guess it was just natural. It's like, Hey, can I beat this person up or do I need to just stand here because it's Maryland, right? Like, man, that's the thing. It's a blue state. So you're just like, do I just stand here and watch this or am I, can I go do this now? I don't know how that would have held up in court had anything gone down that path or whatever, but Hey man, at least, at least I felt like I was sort of right. But the real, the real question in that is, were your Carolina blue Jordans okay? You didn't you didn't scuff them <laughs> up or scratch them, did you? I didn't have a pair of Carolina blue Jordans back then, but I wish I would have. Oh, okay. I, I would have worn. Actually, if I would have, <laughs> if I'd have had them on my feet, I'd be like, eh, nah, he looks all right. He can take care of himself. He's fine. <laughs> Plant that Tar Heel blue right in the person's crotch. Hey man, we had a big win last night, dude. Beating Oklahoma. It's a quad one win. Yeah, I think Oklahoma I made, was one of the last. I I made, uh, what I make forty three cents on that. Yeah, but you made money off the Arizona game. That's right. That was, that was, that was good, man. That was good stuff. You know you what? That, 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 it's one of those things. And that's, I mean, again, I, I guess, I mean, Vegas was not built uh, off of winners, right? Obviously, it's built <laughs> off of losers. But I've had some pretty good luck with, if you catch it, because I don't know, I'm sure it's all automated now. Not like it was probably 15, 20 years ago. But if you catch these games, and especially the like University of Arizona. Okay, they were the number one team in the nation last week. They lost one game by a couple points or whatever, and they dropped number four. Uh, I think it was Alabama was coming out to play them. Alabama was like six and four, and Alabama's pumped when they come out to start the game. So they start the game off on like a eight two run or a ten two run or whatever. And dude, the money line and everything just—I mean, it is a drastic switch. Uh, you know, it'll be three four hundred points switch. And then I think when we when we we actually played the odds this time, or I played the odds this time when I actually saw it, it was you know like negative three and a half. I was like, wow, like Arizona is going to win by more than three and a half points. They're just they get so emotional, uh, and they make those changes so fast. Uh, and so a lot of times, if you if you follow it close enough, you can catch them right. You can you can make money, or you can lose money. You know, <laughs> whatever. Did you uh, did you guys see that uh, mass shooting in Prague? Uh, yeah, was it like a school or something? Yeah, something like that. But the headline is, the headline says this, because uh, that, that's tragedy. Anytime something like that happens, it's tragedy. But it says, gunman opens fire in a Prague university, killing 14 people in Czech Republic's worst mass shooting. It's like, okay, maybe since Czech Republic has existed. But um, <laughs> yeah, there was some pretty bad stuff going on, you know, in Prague. Uh, back in the day, um, yeah. everything needs to be held in a held, put put a little context into everything. A lot of stuff going on, Josh. A lot of stuff. Yeah. Which one do you want to? Which one do you want to talk about? Uh, well, first off, on the Prague shooting, I have been told by reliable sources that those types of incidents only happen in the United States. They don't happen in other countries. So I think that may be fake news. Um, all right. Uh, so I'm kind of, you know, tongue in cheek there. Uh, 
Yeah, I, dude, I don't even know where to go. Do we jump in? Do we jump into? I, I, I think we just got to go ahead and address the the elephant in the room with the uh, orange elephant in the room. The yes, the the orange elephant in the room. Um, you know, Roger's boy and your boy now. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you know the the state of the state of Colorado. Uh, and I know we got some listeners out in Colorado. Uh, and I just want to ask. Wow, like what in the hell is going on in Colorado? Are you guys, man, when you guys legalize weed, you just did the full Monty, huh? You guys high? You guys absolutely nuts? So the Colorado, I, I'm sure everybody's heard, you know, obviously by this point. So, you know, citing the 14th Amendment, uh, Colorado has moved to strike Donald Trump from the primary ballot, uh, the 2024 primary ballot. I thought it would be the general as well. I thought it would it was be gonna... the general. The, okay. the rulings specify the primary ballot, but I think there's some Colorado state law, which that also, you know, automatically means the, the general ballot as well. So I don't want to derail you right here, but I had a question for both of you guys, if you know. So I'm sure it depends state to state, right? But what if, just like what if, because so, Colorado's not going to vote for Trump anyway, right? This, we'll, we'll get into the, the details of that. But does that mean that when it goes to caucus, if his name's not on the ballot, he cannot be nominated. Does it mean that? Or could everybody write him in and then they have to consider it? I, I would think that this means he can't even be considered for the state of, of Colorado. No, the bill, so it was like HP2 or whatever it was, uh, it specifically stated they were not allowed to write him in. Dude, that's that's Wow. That that's a wow. It's that's yeah. that's 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 amazing. It's it, it's amazing on a number of levels, right? Um, because you know, I think first and foremost, I'll say this, and we'll throw it to Roger. But I, dude, we got some other. I, there's some nuances on the Fourteenth Amendment that uh, that I want to address. Uh, but. You know, the people who are all, you know, were anti-fascist, you know, I'll punch a Nazi in the face, you know, anti-communist or anything. But you guys literally took a, you know, a play out of, you know, the communist playbook and you are eliminating your political opponent from, you know, being able to be elected by saying that he is guilty of something when he's not even been tried in a court of law. Like that's. That is truly that, that that is truly stunning and and, and amazing, uh, but that's the that's the Democrat Party for you. So, yeah, Roger, what were your initial thoughts when you when you saw that? It's just nuts. Well, one, it, it was an overturn of a previous ruling from an Obama era judge, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, who's extremely left leaning. Was like, no, you, like he's and I remember us talking about this several months ago when it happened. Uh, like, no, he's got to be on the ballot and this and that. And then they, you know, they obviously appeal it, goes to the Supreme Court. And their ruling basically was like, yeah, so we just don't kind of like him. And uh, he's going to be off the ballot. Now, there is some recourse. And, and so there's several different ways to go with this. But regardless whether it's Trump, Biden, RFK Jr., I don't care who it is or, or whatever, let the voters decide. Because what happens is I mean, it, it, the Supreme Court has to overturn this. They have to. Because if they don't, what's going to happen the very next day 
is red states are going to remove the the Democrat candidates from primaries. The blue states are going to remove the Republican candidates from primaries. Uh, and then you won't even have primary elections anymore because the recourse for the Trump administration or Trump campaign is not just SCOTUS, but they would go from a, a primary to a caucus because right now they're they're a primary. So, yeah, you can leave him off the ballot in a primary. They would just go to a Republican caucus and they would nominate him anyway. So it's all a moot point from that aspect of it. But the bigger problem is, it's like, dude, you you are truly turning us into a banana republic. You know, it's like I, I can't even believe that you like even the Democrat Party themselves. And you've seen a couple pundits here and there come out. But even the, uh, you know, all the Republican candidates and then you've seen some pretty prominent Democrat uh, pundits that are like, yeah, this thing's going to get overturned. And this is not the this is not the road that you want to go down. What I thought was interesting and I'll, I'll kick it back over to Luke. What I thought was interesting is, you know, they and, and I know, Josh, you're going to cover this more in depth. So I'm not going to steal any of your thunder, but they uh, they cite the 14th Amendment. Right. And uh, I, I've, I've probably seen that 14th Amendment quote at least a thousand times today. And it's all over the interwebs and it's all over, you know, X and this and that. That piece that they're quoting is Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. So they actually missed Section 1 of the 14th Amendment. And I'll just read this quick sentence and, and, and throw it over to Luke. Uh, section 1, which at the end of it says, No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law nor deny to any person within this jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. So the same amendment they're trying to use to keep the guy off the ballot, it's like what you, you, you actually missed the, the important section of that amendment, which is like, hey, due process. Because I'm still waiting for him or anybody else to actually be charged with an insurrection. Okay, because to me, it, it's hard to, to remove somebody for that when you're not guilty of that. Hey, they pulled an Anwar Al-Awlaki on him, man. They just tried him in an absentia. No, they didn't even do that. They just, they even they do just that. did the, yeah. uh, they, they just they just did the like uh, 20 lawyers in a room. This time it happened to be nine uh state Supreme Court justices, and they just they just basically said, nope, he's guilty, and we're just gonna go ahead and, and say he is. My my initial thoughts on it were, and I think we texted this. I'm like, this is well, I guess it's a good thing it's happening now because this is a slam dunk for the Supreme Court. This is just for the U.S. Supreme Court. This is just this is not. I, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the you know Obama appointed justices actually just you know vote that this 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 is. I, I could see this being a maybe it needs two to be nine justices, zero. right? It needs well, to be it needs to be, zero. but it, it's going to probably be seven two. I think I'm going to say it's going to be seven two or six three uh, because this is a slam dunk. This is just not. It's ridiculous. And if you look at Colorado Supreme Court, that was a five four decision. And every one of those are Democrat appointed justices in Colorado. So it's like I, I, it, it's a slam dunk, but it, I think it is a, it is a bad precedent. hundred percent is a bad precedent. I, I understand I, I'm not an idealist, but I, I hear what you guys are saying. And I tend to agree with you to a point. It's like if they're going to play dirty, we got to play dirty, too. But it's just like, man, why did it have to get to this point? where we have been so backed into a corner that now we got to play dirty. You know, I just don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like that, man. It, it, it's, it's frustrating for me, you know, because the GOP is feckless. Yeah. They're wussies. As Josh said, they, there's this idealism within the Republican party. It's like, no man, uh, it's all good. If we just stay pure, good guys will win. Well, 
maybe in the long, long, long run, it's it's like that uh, when you're standing at the pearly gates. Uh, but reality hit uh, smacks you in the face, and like you guys said, it's like if uh, the you know some of these state. I think Texas is the only uh, was the lieutenant governor of Texas, or was it? Yeah. 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 Lieutenant governor of Texas. Yeah. uh, Came out and said, you know what, we're going to, we're going to do the same thing to Joe Biden. I think that's a mistake. I I really do. I think the reason a lot of these uh, state governors are like, yeah, we're not going to do this because it's going to be such a slam dunk in the Supreme court that it's going to end up making everyone look foolish. And all this is doing is boosting Trump's numbers. I mean, because it's like, I, you know who I'm going to vote for in the primary most likely. I've, I've said it before. Most likely I'll vote for DeSantis. But the way this stuff makes me feel, it's like, you want it? You got it. Let's get Trump in there and let's smack every let's, – let's let him go dictator for one day. How about that? How about that? You want it? You got it. You know, you messed with the bull. Now you get the horns. It makes people mad. If it's making me what I consider, I consider myself a semi-reasonable person and I'm getting worked up about this stuff, about a guy that I don't think would be the best president. I mean, think of how it's uh, affecting people who are very reactive. You know, I in Colorado, you know, you mentioned the Colorado listeners. There aren't any liberals out in Colorado listening to this podcast. I can tell you that right now. No. <laughs> but <laughs> – but those folks, you got, you know, in Colorado, you get the I-25 corridor. You got Pueblo, you got Colorado Springs, you got Denver, all the way up to, what is it? All the way up to Fort Collins, right? That corridor, just like the I-35 corridor in uh, in Texas, is very liberal. You know, I-35 corridor, you got uh, San Antonio, Austin, uh, Dallas, right? The rest of those voters, it just it just kills me that the rest of those voters are going to be completely disenfranchised if if they want to vote for Trump. It that pisses me off, man. Where it's like you're not even allowed to write him in. If that was a law back when the Brewster's Millions, if you remember that movie, it was one of my favorite comedies. Yep. Vote no, vote none of the above. None no, the you're above. not allowed. You're not allowed to vote none of the above. You're not allowed to vote that way. That's bullshit. I'm sorry, telling a, telling a citizen they're not allowed to vote for someone, man, F that. Let the people decide, man. Don't let the courts decide. If somebody wants to elect, I don't know, think of the worst person, Rosie O'Donnell, you know, let, sure, let write Rosie O'Donnell in. If she wins the presidency, well, man, then we get what we deserve. You know, it's just <laughs> very frustrating. Uh, let's get back to the nuances of the 14th Amendment. So the 14th Amendment is a pretty widespread amendment. I mean, it's a pretty broad. It's a very broad amendment, I think. I mean, it covers a lot. And that was in the, you know, post-Civil War. We had to, and this, this ties into the monument thing, too, at Arlington Cemetery, if you think about it. I mean, it was written specifically, and it was contested. The 14th Amendment was, that wasn't an easy one to get through because, you know, a lot of folks are like, we do not want these civil war, uh, you know, I'm sorry, the South, we don't want them serving in public office because they're going to, you know, they're going to pollute the whole system. So let's write this amendment where they, they rose an insurrection. They're not allowed to hold these offices because they once took an oath to the United States and they welched on that oath. So they're not allowed to hold public office. And there you go. There it is. Robert E. Lee is not allowed to hold public office or whomever, Right. The whole term insurrection has gotten laughable in this country. You, I mean, if, if you want to call the Civil War an insurrection, I'm with you. Cool. 
Civil War is an insurrection. What happened on January 6th, all they did was held up a vote for two hours. That's not an effing insurrection. It's not. Is it serious? Yes. Was it stupid? Absolutely. Whoa, 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 whoa. You mean to tell no. me that you don't believe that the QAnon shaman was trying to become the new Speaker of the House? <laughs> well, no. maybe. <laughs> but I, I, I don't know. I just think that we're living in some kind of comedy. I don't know. I think the Matrix, there's a glitch in the Matrix. Maybe this is all just a simulation. It's just a big joke. Because I don't know. I, I, I covered a lot there, Josh. I, I, I probably didn't steal your thunder. Uh, you look like you were kind of considering a couple points I said as BS, but I'll kick it back to you. No, nothing you, nothing you said is BS. Um, I do think I, the GOP, I want the GOP to be the pallbearers at my funeral because I want they need to let me down one last time, uh, you know, because they continue to fail to do their job. They continue to fail and it's, it, it's maddening. You know, when you see this and, you know, DeSantis figured it out, uh, you know, when he started going after Disney and everything and using using his power as governor. Right. Which, I mean, you know, you talking to a governor, they 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 wield some power, you know, and he looked at it and he's like, what does the Constitution of the state of Florida say? Done. I'm doing everything within my legal authority as governor of the state to bring them to heel. And, you know, a bunch of people, a bunch of people were like, well, I don't agree with that. I don't think you should do that. That's not the way to do business. And, you know, and we've said it and we've said it multiple times. The GOP thinks that they are on some, you know, sunny meadow on a Tuesday afternoon and they're having a duel and they're, you know, playing by the Queensberry's rules. The, the Democrats, they're in a back alley knife fight. They recognize where they recognize the fight that they're in. The GOP hasn't recognized the fight they've been in for 20 years. And that's why we've lost, that's why we lost academia, right? That's why we've lost, you know, a lot of the government uh, institutions to them is because we just, the, the, the GOP just couldn't get out of their own way. So, and, you know, like I texted earlier, one of the prime examples is there is no red state leadership that has come out and said, we are removing Joe Biden from the ballot. All right. And all they would have to do is take a look at the counterintelligence concerns with between Joe Biden and China, his son, Hunter and Ukraine and say, based on these counterintelligence concerns, these national security concerns, we are removing Joe Biden from the ballot. Now, would that stand up in the Supreme Court? Probably not. But it would at least put the Democrats on notice. Okay. You want to play this game, we'll play this game too. Because right now, the Democrat dude, the Democrats, the Democrat, you guys remember that movie, A Christmas Story, Little Ralphie and everything? Remember the big guy in the in, in the coonskin hat, the bully, who was always beating the snot out of those kids? That's the Democrats, man. And they're beating the snot out of the GOP right now. And Ralphie ain't fighting back. Ralphie's just taking it. He's just he he's taking it on the chin. And it's like, why would the Democrat, why would they stop? Why would they stop what they're doing? The GOP is not pushing back on them. Why they have no incentive to stop. So, the the red state leadership, man, the governors, lieutenant governor, they get their secretaries of state, you know, off their ass and start to come out and say, okay, hey, guess what? We've decided we're taking Joe Biden off the ballot. Create, make it a constitutional crisis because that's the only thing that's going to wake the GOP up. 
and for them to realize, oh shit, we have a problem. Like we have a we have a legit problem, and you know we can't just sit here and and, and get our ass beat. So, but you you alluded to the Fourteenth Amendment being problematic, right? So, well, it was con- it, not problematic, contested, right? When it was when it was yeah. passed. All right. So there's question as to whether the 14th Amendment is even legal. The whole the amendment itself, right? So you had coming out of coming out of the Civil War, you had the Reconstruction Act of 1867. So you have what that was the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments. Um, I think made up the uh kind of the Reconstruction Act. So like you said, you know, the Republican Party, Lincoln's Republican Party controlled Congress. They told the Southern states, basically, you are not going to be allowed back into Congress unless you pass the 14th Amendment. All right. So Congress passed the Reconstruction Act without the Southern states. All right. Now, when you start looking at how many, you know, and so that was what, like, 10, I think, that were involved. Um, kind of the military dictatorship that they had over the, the southern states, they said, we'll, you know, we'll stop this as long as you ratify the uh, the 14th Amendment. All right. So, you know, it, it, for, for people to be allowed to vote after the Civil War, they had to, you know, pledge their allegiance to the federal army, you know, pledge their allegiance to the United States and, you know, the army, and you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, well, you know, if you take him, if you read the book, um, oh, what's the name of it? the real Lincoln, you go back, New Jersey and Ohio ratified it, but then they voted to revoke it. They revoked their ratification. All right. Now, by revoking their ratification, that removed the three fourths of states required to ratify an amendment. And so there was like, let's see, 28 states, only 20 states voted to, to ratify it outright. And I think based on my Florida public school math, that left them short. But since the, you know, since the GOP, you know, at the time, since the Republican Party was, you know, running roughshod and they were calling the shots, I think everybody just kind of overlooked it. Um, and, you know, and since then, really, the 14th Amendment has been used to give the federal government more power. So what I think, you know, and, and I, I don't. Uh, because the 14th Amendment, you go back and look at the intent, read the intent. It was never intended to give federal judges the ability, the authority to strike down state laws. That was not the intent of the 14th Amendment. So I'm not a lawyer, nor do I play one on TV. Those are facts, um, but this is not, you know, this is just me kind of kind of speculating is does Colorado, and I'll ask Roger this, does Colorado, does their argument hold water if they make this about the 10th Amendment? Because this, because election laws, election laws are squarely up to the state's. And that's, that's been, I mean, that's been setting precedent for, for a long time. All right. I mean, you got the civil rights act that came in and I played out that and then in the 19th amendment, but does Colorado, can Colorado come back and say, Hey, 10th amendment, we can, you know, we can do what we want when it comes to, to elections. No. Cause when you're talking about 
federal election, the other piece you're talking about, you know, that would prevent it would be that due process piece, section one. Because uh, I was even thinking that earlier. I was like, well, what if it was just a state election, right? Well, if it, let's say it's not for president, say it's for governor or, or the house or something like that at the state level, could they do it? And, and I think it would, it would fail in court as well, just because of the due process piece. Um, again, not being a lawyer, but that's what, that, that's what my guess is. And I think that's, what's going to happen here. And I think I'm fairly certain, uh, I want to say this, but uh, fairly certain SCOTUS is going to overturn it. They see it for what it is. The stuff that we, you know, that we've talked about and discussed here, but Josh is spot on when you look at the GOP and the Democrats, because, and I, I've heard this term a couple of times on the news now, it's lawfare. Okay. The Democrats have been using lawfare for years. And, and we've heard this for years that they just go judge shopping, right? And they go AG shopping and DA shopping and, and, and they go find something somewhere that, hey, look, you don't even live in this state, but you drove through here. So now you fall under the jurisdiction of this particular county, and now we're going to try you for whatever the case is. They've been doing this for years. And, you know, I'm, I'm like Luke because on one hand, and, and I know we have a couple of listeners that are like this, like, no, you just can't do that. You can't go down that road. The Democrats are already down that road. They're already there. And Luke, you said it best. It may all work out in the end. And, and the most important part of that was, yeah, at the pearly gates. Maybe. Right? Because the Democrats are already there and they're going to use lawfare to just get rid of you legally. It, here, real quick, I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm going to cut you off. This is about, this, it, people think this is about Trump. This is not about Trump. Nope. The changes and the precedents that are being made right now in lawfare, like you say, these will endure. Donald Trump's yes. going to go away after this election cycle as far as, you know, being a candidate. But the, the precedents that are being set, the laws that are being passed, things that are being done will endure for decades. And those people who are like, no, we shouldn't go down that road. We shouldn't do that. They're very myopic and they're, they, they, they don't know what they're talking about. And they can't, they, they're not looking at the long game. They're playing, they're, they're, they're looking at this emotionally and they need to pull their head out of their ass and realize where they're at. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. There you go. Yeah, you did. It, it, it's, <laughs> I think it's more serious and you're hitting it on the head. It's more serious than what people realize because it is, the more I think about this, it is the nuclear option. Okay, because I, I tell you, I don't know you, let's say SCOTUS comes in and they say, hey, you know what? Each state does what they want. Tenth Amendment. They govern their own elections. Rock and roll. Uh, what I just said happened, you know, was going to happen at the beginning of this thing is what's going to happen. Red states are going to start to remove liberal candidates. Blue states will remove uh, conservative candidates. There will be zero due process. No crime committed. Just like, hey, man, you know, you're guilty of, uh, you know, an insurrection. You're guilty of rebellion. You're guilty of crimes that uh, just, you know, you're just not fit to be on the ballot. Nothing objective. It'll be purely subjective. Uh, yeah, you, you know, Josh, type immediate balkanization. Absolutely. I mean, that's exactly what's going to happen. And I don't think people realize how bad. And that's why, like, SCOTUS has got to see this. And I heard pundits on both sides today that they were like, hey, look, this needs to be a 9-0 vote. Because that's the, that's the scarier piece. Okay? If it's not 9-0, and let's say it's like Lucas saying, which I, I tend to agree with Luke on this, that it's a 7-2 uh, or 6-3, those two or three dissenting votes... That should be very concerning, okay? And you should be happy that you have a, a conservative majority on there if, if it happens that way because they're purely voting on party line. But, I, you know, I said, you know, I just said I, I agree with you. I, I, I do think there's a pretty good shot of, of it going 9-0. Um, 
But the other thing, like Luke mentioned, this feeds it. So Donald Trump was a populist president. Okay, that's how he got elected the first time, right? You're appealing to emotions. People are angry and this and that. And, and Luke hit it on the head. That's exactly what's happening here now. And much like Luke, I have my primary vote. And you know, I think you look at the long game with the eight years, and I definitely don't want two years of a lamed up presidency if if Trump were to win and and, and this and that. I would prefer an eight-year DeSantis. Um, but you know, that'll that'll play itself out. But it's he was a populist president because people were angry. You know, and it's not even like, oh, I like Trump. It's like the dude fights back. You know, verbally at least, he says all the things. Or you know, back then he was saying the things that that we were thinking that you wish other politicians would say, and it pisses people off when they sit here <laughs> as he gives the hand job signal. You know, it pisses people off when you see somebody being screwed by the system, screwed by the process. Right? It makes you angry, and it just builds up that momentum and it builds up in that that steam, and that's why he has the support that he has. But going back to Josh's point. The reason we are where we are, where we're at, is because the GOP has sat, you know, on, on the sidelines, uh, you know, calling with, with Crayolas for the last 10, 15, 20 years. I mean, you say you can't go down that road. The Democrats are already down that road. What's up, Luke? Nah, I mean, I'm, I'm listening to you. I'm both make some great points, and you got. We've talked about this at length about the whole Civil War thing, right? Civil War, and there's that movie coming out. I think in March or April called Civil War. There's been a lot of buzz about it. And I think it's going to disappoint a lot of people because I think your, your Boogaloo boys and the, the, the people I just despise want it to be a certain way. And it's that, that movie is not going to fulfill all their needs. That movie is going to be a drama about a family traveling across the United States in a, a hellish landscape of a civil war that makes no sense. Because I've, I've seen these people on Twitter saying, well, this doesn't make any sense. How would California and Texas be on the same side? It's like, okay, well, 10 years ago, how did you think that, you know, Muslim extremists and trans people would be on the same side? It's like, you know, I, I just don't like, this is so unbelievable. I know I'm going off on a tangent on this movie. I don't like people saying this is so unbelievable. Uh, it, it's it's so unbelievable that Luke Skywalker could, could swing across that, you know, open chasm with just a skinny rope like that. It's like, okay, so you're going to pick that part out of a movie and suspend disbelief on the force and lightsabers and all this other shit. It's like, dude, just enjoy the movie, but civil war. Let's get back to that. I think that this is a step in the wrong direction toward a balkanization where neighbors will actually get violent with one another. Uh, in this Canyon alone. I mean, it's, <laughs> I live in a very red area, but there are people in this Canyon who put out Beto signs. There's a there's a handful of, of of houses that put out Beto signs, and it's like, you know, that's all good. Um, but if things go bad, what people don't realize about balkanization and you know, uh, very raw emotions is things get very violent very quickly, and it won't be. A lot of these people on on Twitter, and Josh is always quick to point this out to people, and I really I love it when he does. It's like you really think that you have a chance against a F-16 or a B-2 bomber. It's like, yeah, what's the blast radius of a 105? You know, I live next door to you, dumbass. Do you understand that? It, you're not, you're not going to be fighting an army. You're going to be fighting me. And people don't get that. People don't get how ruthless it was in Bosnia 
people don't understand how ruthless it still is in Afghanistan. It's just, it's brutal. But guys, it's not that I want to change the subject, but something just happened to me just now while y'all were talking that I've been waiting for forever. Uh, during COVID, you know, I started playing around with Adobe and stuff like that. I learned how to make my own GIFs, right? And I've been posting some GIFs, you know, from the C3 account. And I made one from uh, from No Country for Old Men, where uh, Anton Chigurh is at that uh, at that little gas station in Texas with that West Texas dude who's got the thick accent. <laughs> and he says, you know, he, he's, he's talking to the guy and he's like, so how did you end up owning this? And the guy goes, well... My wife's family, she they owned it for years. And he goes, <clears throat> you married into it. So I made a GIF out of that. <laughs> and I've been waiting to use it on Twitter. I've been waiting so long to use it. So Matt Walsh, uh, a lot of people are going off on masculinity and femininity and all this stuff. And Matt Walsh, he has this thing. I, I'm not particularly a fan of Matt Walsh, but whatever. And he his post is, ladies, you can't have chivalry and feminism, pick one. So some cuck out there in Florida says, P.S., this is complete horseshit. I engage in countless chivalrous acts without hesitation while my wife is about as strong a woman as I know. She literally has a keychain that says, F the patriarchy, but I always take out the garbage. And I got a chance to post my gift. <laughs> you married into it, dude. I'm sorry, I had to tell I that story. It. Oh, my God. It It was one of those things where I got kind of lightheaded when I read it. I was like, oh, my God. So I got to go. I got to go into my library and pull pull that out. But uh, that was was pretty fun. So, Josh, sorry to derail that, but I had to tell the audience. Well, timing is everything, though. But you know what? You kind of get you'll get deflated (laughs) because what will happen is I've had probably I can remember maybe three memes where I'm like, the timing was just spot on. I'm like, this thing is going to go nuclear, right? It's going to be viral. And then you get one person that likes it. And you're like, well, and the person that I likes know, it is Josh, you know, or whatever. It's like, correct. oh, no, I know I'll get three likes off this. It'll be Josh, you, and Damon. And that and that's just all there is to it. <laughs> and occasionally, occasionally Grant will come in there and like one or two here and there. But uh, appreciate y'all. Oh, there are a couple of folks out there that do like. I appreciate it. So anyway, so Josh, with this whole thing, and I want to get – down the civil war route unless you want to go down that but speaking of civil war and all that stuff um there's all this stuff about renaming bases which i try to understand the other side's argument and i get it i understand i don't agree with it but i understand where they're coming from (laughs) renaming fort bragg fort gore all these places but the reconciliation monument in arlington I don't know if you want to talk about this or not, but you made a tweet or something the other day. I wish you'd make the brilliant tweets from the C3 account, but a really brilliant tweet. And you said something along the lines of they don't want reconciliation. They don't want that. Uh, This just proves they don't, you know, that to, to me, that monument was, I mean, it's like Germany when they lost, when Japan lost, it's like, these are major powers, major economies. We can't just wipe them off the face of the earth. It doesn't make any sense. Not all Germans were Nazis. Not, not, not all Germans murdered Jews, right? In fact, a very small portion of them did. They're just human beings. You listen to Jordan Peterson, man, you'd be so surprised how fast you'd become a Nazi if you're put in that situation. Most Japanese were not the you know, bloodthirsty killers on the sands of Iwo Jima, right? We have to make 
some sort of reconciliation with these countries. You're talking about the North and the South in the Civil War. You have to do some sort of reconciliation. you got to take moves to go that way. That's what that monument was about. It wasn't about slavery. It wasn't about monumentalizing, you know, oh, well, slavery, they did have a point. It wasn't about that. It was about, you know what? We're going to bury Confederate soldiers here. You know, it, it's all good. Um, we're going to try to put this behind us, and we're going to move forward. So, Josh, I mean, that kind of ties into this a little bit. Uh, insurrection, all this stuff, civil war. What do you think about that? Yeah, to touch on the civil war real quick. People, people in the United States, the majority of Americans do not know what a, a real civil war is. They've never seen it. They've never experienced it. They look, what we had, what we had in the 1860s was two conventional armies, you know, conventional for their, you know, for the time that fought each other. That's it. It was basically two separate countries, right? Because, I mean, you basically had, you know, a forward line of troops that ebbed and flowed. Um, you know, you had two separate, you know, two capitals uh, for the armies. You know, they had their own supply, you know, supplies behind their, you know, they had their rear logistical lines and, and, and everything. And they, you know, marched in formations. And generally speaking, they left the civilian populace alone when they went into each other's areas, uh, by, you know, by and large, they didn't go through and, you know, they weren't the Mongol horde, you know, going through and raping and pillaging for, for the most part. So people need to take a look at Sarajevo in 1992. They need to take a look at, you know, Iraq, uh, you know, after the uh, the Blue Mosque and Najaf got bombed by by AMZ and, and kicked off the sectarian violence. You know, a civil war in the United States is when you find your brother in a landfill and his hands look like Mickey Mouse gloves because there's, you know, there's electrical wire, you know, tied around his wrist and he's got, you know, he's got holes drilled in his knees. That's a civil, that that's what's going to happen. And th yeah, those idiots who are like, well, you know, I'll, we'll just drone you. Yeah. Guess what, idiot? I'm your neighbor. Tell me what the blast radius on a GBU 12 is. You absolute moron. This is it. This is again, this isn't going to be some battle that's going to be fought in some, you know, obscure faraway land or it's going to be fought, you know, up in the mountains somewhere in a nice, you know, sunny meadow. This is going to like, this is going to be in your neighborhood, you know, in Sarajevo and Bosnia and Kosovo. Like you couldn't go to the market to get food without, you know, possibly getting getting shot. Right? There were snipers everywhere. It's absolutely crazy. So <clears throat> The, people people don't want that. I'm telling you, you don't want that. You don't want to see that. You don't want your kids to have to deal with that. As far as the reconciliation monument goes, you know, it was designed by a Jewish guy. And it was, you know, the, when you went to Arlington's website and, you know, you looked up the reconciliation monument, it was specifically, I mean, the intent, I mean, we talk about intent, right? A lot. The intent was exactly what you said. The Civil War was over. You know, Lincoln and everybody came out and it's like, okay, you're our countrymen again. Okay. Yeah. There, you know, there are some repercussions. You know, we kind of talked, you know, kind of, you know, touched on those like, hey, you can't vote until you, you know, until you raise your right hand again and, you know, pledge allegiance to the flag and all that. Um, but, but you're our countrymen. And, you know, we're done with that. And they got along, they, you know, there were Civil War reunions where, you know, Confederates and, you know, uh, 
Union soldiers got together and, you know, shook hands and hung out and, you know, talked about the war and stuff like that. Like, it was done. I don't understand why people, you know, 100 and however, 160 years later-ish, I don't understand why we have more of a problem with it than the people who actually fought in it. But I don't get it. It's be, it, it was, was our life in this country so good that we just had to be upset about something and that was it? Yes. Right? And after, you know, and, and after St. George Floyd died, you know, from overdosing on fentanyl, we just decided that, okay, well, we got to, we got to tear down all these monuments. I, 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 like, I don't get it. I don't understand it. But so what I tweeted was they don't want reconciliation. They don't. They, it, 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 there's a couple of reasons. One, they want to rewrite history because the Democrats know they were on the wrong side of history in the Civil War. All right. They were on the wrong side of history during Jim Crow. They they want to rewrite that. Basically, they want to rewrite history prior to 1965. Okay. Once that's done, then, you know, future generations, hey, it's, you know, 1965, you know, on, that's the Democratic Party. All right. Which, like, you guys are doing real hot now with, you know, with the trannies and everything. So, you know, you might want to go up to 2023 if you're if you're really serious about this. Um, but you look at it, did you notice what day they started tearing down the uh, the memorial? It coincided, I think. And it didn't coincide with the shots on Fort Sumner um, to kick off the Civil War. It may have, I have I have to go back and look, but it coincided with some some date, you know, for the for the Civil War, um, some, uh, something significant. I have to look that up. They don't they don't want reconciliation because reconciliation takes you know it it defl- it takes the wind out of their sails when it comes to a lot of the grievances that they have. If we've reconciled, then why are we paying reparations? If we've reconciled, you know. Why are we on the cusp of getting rid of, uh, you know, affirmative action? If we've reconciled, then, you know, that just takes all their grievances off the table and now they have to stand on their own. But they can't do that. They still, they, they got to use this, you know, this, they got to, they have to grind this axe because this is all they have. Um, so, but I, I truly, truly don't think they do, um, you know, and then their actions, you know, with, with, with Trump, um, and, you know, and I get it, it, you know, them pushing so hard, they are going to, they're going to make people who, you know, may not have voted. They're going to, I think they'll actually push some people from the center over to go vote for Trump, or they're going to push some people just to stay home. Um, but what they really want, what they truly, truly want is they want to create more kill dozers. That's what they want. They want more killdozer incidents. They want people to snap and do something stupid so they can justify their actions and go, see, told you they were all white, right-wing MAGA extremists who are so dangerous, you know, too da- dangerous to society. We have to do more. That's what they really want. That's 100%. And nobody will ever convince me otherwise. Democrats are communists, period. That's it. That's all they are. And they should be eradicated from the earth. <laughs> I think you're spot on a lot of that. You know, 
and, and you hear it like we were saying with the argument of you know if you have supreme court justices that rule with the dissent that uh, what we think is going to happen in colorado it's like hey man they don't care about the constitution they don't care about your rights they don't care about any of the amendments it's i know what's best for you in society because if we don't do this then this happens people die what have you and you you hit it spot on. I think I think with the, I, I think it's the first time I've heard you say it in, in a little while. I think you're spot on with the, they are going to push a lot of people to stay home. I think if Trump becomes a nominee and Trump, uh, you know, goes to the general election, uh, I think he wins not because he gets, uh, you know, like his vote voter count increases. I think a lot of people stay home. I think a lot of those people in the middle, a lot of those people that are that, that voted for Biden the first time, I think they just don't vote. Uh, or maybe they do a mansion thing if mansion runs or an RFK or, or whatever the heck it is and, you know, or, or do some kind of, you know, write in. But it's where it's at now because the Democrats are scared. They're scared. You look at Joe's polling numbers, dude, and, and we've talked a million times about polls, right? I mean, polls aren't votes, this and that. But you look at trends and you look at consistencies. And, you know, at first what I thought were just kind of like, you know what, we're going to scare the base a little bit. We're going to jot the base a little bit, jog, you know, get them. Hey, man, you need to get fired up. The problem is everything that Joe touches turns a dog poop. Just about everything. And, and the Democrat base uh, and even the leadership is so scared. I mean, hey, when was the last time you heard Bidenomics, right? You don't even hear that term anymore because like, hey, guys, like we actually can't do that. You know, they talked about inflation falling. Well, hey, inflation actually didn't decline. The rate of inflation declined. Prices are still going up. Prices did not come down. You know, oh, gas is, you know, gas dropped, you know, whatever it did. Yeah, because you have a winner blending. Oh, by the way, it's still a dollar, at least a dollar higher than what it was under Trump's term. I mean, there is nothing good about this administration right now. When you look at the foreign policy, complete train wreck. That's why I sent you guys that article today about uh, all the, which, I, you know, it's funny because maybe I missed it the first time around, but all the uh, distinguished service crosses and this and that going out uh, to the folks in, in Afghanistan uh, for evacuating, you know, uh, the members they did. I mean, it's like, dude, everything he touches uh, is a train wreck. It becomes a train wreck. And it's because his policy from day one has been whatever Trump did, I'm going to do the opposite. That was his policy. You know, and so when you look at the Democrats and how scared they are now, they're going to try to do everything they can to bring him back into office, but it's not about touting what his accomplishments are because there are none. You just have to poop on the other dude. And you got to disqualify the other guy. But I don't I don't think that happens. I think it's I think Josh, I think you hit it on the head with with People go, they, they stay home. As far as, here's what pisses me off about the monuments and this and that. And I think, I, I don't know if it's changed, but I think uh, a court put a stay on it. And so, hey, you know, I think they actually started tearing it down and a federal court came out like, da, 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 da. you got to put a hold on that. Um, and really, they're putting a hold on it because they're saying that the army didn't follow the right processes and procedures or whatever that's in all the ARs to do stuff like that. Uh, wasn't done in the way it's supposed to be done. And so basically they're just trying to buy time until, you know, a Republican becomes president and they, whatever. You can argue why, because I've heard about Liberty and Bragg and all that. You can argue why they named it that in the first place, whatever. Okay, that's a separate argument. The thing is, most of these folks, 99% of this stuff, they didn't even know they were supposed to be mad about it. 
They didn't even know what the name was. Like, I didn't know who the hell Bragg was. I was assigned to Fort Bragg. When I was 18 years old, 19 years old, you think I knew who Bragg was? No, it's like, I never even, I never even thought like why they, like, I'm not even sure I knew it was a name. I think, or like, uh, you know, I was like, eh, they just, it's just called Fort Bragg, right? Why do they call Queen Creek, Queen Creek? I don't know. That's just what the, that's what they call it. You know, so it, it never even occurred to me. And we've had folks that we know, West Point grads. You know, oh, they need to remove all this stuff. And so I asked, it's like, hey, uh, so when you went as a plebe or whatever they were, uh, did those buildings offend you? No, because you didn't have any idea who the hell they were. You weren't offended until they told you that you had to be offended. Now, where I think that argument should go now nowadays is, hey, whatever it is, whether it's the monument, the name, whatever the case is, what does it represent? What was it intended to represent? Okay. And like both of you have said, it, it, it's reconciliation. And you have to be very, very careful when you start using today's lens to judge history, right? And historical actions. It's always easier to sit here 140 years later. But as, as Josh and Luke both said, you know, you had a country that was literally divided in half. And hey, a lot of these names were used and a lot of these buildings, uh, you know, a lot of these statues went up. Because it's like, hey, it was a way that the North, that the United States was saying, hey, we're going to bring you back into the fold. We're not going to completely poop on you and just continue to rub salt in that wound. We're going to bring you back into the fold. Okay. And oh, by the way, there's a couple things that you got to do on your end to come back into the fold. That was the original intent of all that stuff. Okay. That's the intent today. But these people don't like that intent. Well, no, I'm going to create my own reason for it well no that's not the reason but again it, it, it shouldn't surprise you because it's like well hey you know what i can change my sex even though biology and science says you can't no i can because i said so that that's they just gavin newsom's debate with ron DeSantis is the state of the left and the democrat party they just make it up they just throw it out there whatever they say and if they say it long enough it just becomes the truth. And you know what? Here's the sad thing about it. And I'll, I'll throw it over to Luke. Here's the sad thing about it. They can say whatever they want. They can do whatever they want. And 45% of the population will buy into it every single time. You know who said that? Mitt Romney said that. Mitt Romney said something similar. And some people would F say that's why F he didn't F get elected. <laughs> but what he was saying, well, I'm not even going to go into that. What he was saying was true, by the way. I, I don't like him either. But what he was saying was true. And he said almost exactly what you said. No matter what we do, we're still not going to have X amount of percent voting for us no matter what. I got very worked up at a lot of stuff you said, Roger. Um, not because I disagree, uh, but I do agree. Uh, you know, one of the most popular phrases nowadays is words have meaning. Words mean things. I don't like it when say words mean things. Yeah, words do mean things. It's called, you know, total, it, it, whatever. But words do have meaning. And you hit it on the head with, with Fort Bragg, Fort Gordon, Fort Sam Houston, all these places. The meaning now to us is Americana when it comes to Fort Bragg. The first time I heard the word yes. Bragg, the first time I heard the word Bragg was in the 80s when I watched Behind My Parents' Back, I watched First Blood, the John Rambo story where he, he's talking about Bragg. I was like, what's this Bragg? What's this Bragg he's talking about with special forces? So cool. The meaning to me was that is the epicenter.
for special forces badass airborne shit. It didn't mean Confederacy anything, but people want to search and delve into a deeper meaning behind this shit. Get over it. Get over it. It means what it means now. Stop trying to decon. And that, that's what this is, this deconstructivism. Deconstructivism is, a, is basically a, a commie-ass Marxist, you know, not, I, I'm, I'm cussing too much. If my mom listens to this, she's going to get very worked up. So maybe I should calm down a little bit. But another thing Roger said that really worked me up, and I'm going to, I'm going to introduce this and then kick it over to Josh is uh, everything Joe Biden touches turns to garbage, right? Obama said it best. Obama said it himself. And Barack Obama does not like Joe Biden. Make no mistake. And I guarantee Mike, Mike, I mean, Michelle Obama doesn't like him either. This is what happens when we were talking about the, the uh, staff picks for Joe Biden, you know, three years ago, coming up on three years ago. We talked about Anthony Blinken and and you know his National Security Council picks and 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 all this stuff and the way we saw it going was State Department's going to be making most of the calls. I I I, I just cannot stress to y'all how bad that is to have State Department making most of your calls when your policy is run by State Department. You get dog shit. That's what you get. Because what you get is paralysis by analysis. So let me expound on that, Josh. There's a certain situation going on in the, we'll say, the Gulf of Aden and the Red Sea with the Houthi rebels out of Yemen. There's a certain area, it's a very narrow stretch of land. I'm going to do the measurement right here, measured distance. A very narrow stretch of land. It's only about 18 miles this little strait between the Gulf of Aden and the Red Sea, where 30% of the world's oil goes through this little strait, the Bab al-Mandab Strait. Now, these Houthi rebels, and I think that Josh might have talked about this on the podcast, but you've definitely been tweeting about it. The Houthi rebels out of Yemen are messing stuff up in that strait that goes between the Gulf of Aden. It's a big-time petroleum route. Uh, going up into the Red Sea, you know, they go through, remember that uh, Evergrande that uh, they got caught up there in the, uh, in the strait in Egypt and shut world trade down for like, Suez Canal, Suez Canal gets shut world trade down for, for like three weeks. (laughs) We're experiencing something similar to that right now. Europe is, we're not seeing it, but Europe is. Now, if that, if that strait is shut down, that means that all this oil and all these goods coming from India, coming from Asia, they can't go through that strait right there. I, w- I wish people were better on geography. They've got to go all the way around Africa, Cape of Good Hope, to get to Europe. That affects the price of goods. Now, who are these Houthi rebels? They are, I wouldn't call them, yeah, I'd call them ragtag they do have some capability. They have capability. But ragtag, what I say, you know, Josh, like kind of squinches. I, I get that. But ragtag compared to our capabilities, especially in that region. When you're talking about carrier groups and uh, special operations and things like this, we could take care of this problem really quick. The problem is the Houthi rebels are supported by Iran. 
And this is where State Department comes in. And, and, and Joe Sixpack's out there. It's like, why are we not blowing these people off the face of the earth, which is completely within our capabilities? It's because the State Department's thinking about it too much. And we're going to make a little C3, not necessarily prediction, but a little C3 analysis right here. Right now, the Biden administration has something pretty big going on with Iran as far as negotiations with respect to Israel and maybe some other stuff uh, dealing with uh, you know, nuclear power in Iran. So they don't want to piss off the Iranians too much by bombing the ever-loving shit out of the Houthis, who are absolutely gumming up world trade right now through that little tiny 18-mile strait. I think this explanation is very simple. Why are we not doing anything about it? Yeah, and Biden took him off the terrorist list. Like, so one of the first things he did was take the Houthis off the off the terrorist list because he wants to make some kind of bullshit deal with Iran. It, it, I could go into this more, and I could probably talk on it for thirty minutes on why everybody wants to have a deal with Iran. It all comes back to Israel and Palestine. At the end of the day, every president, in my memory wants to make a deal, a peace deal, between Israel and the Palestinians in the Middle East. Who came closest to that? Donald Trump, by the way, came the closest to that. But everybody wants to make that deal, and they think they've got to appease Iran. Look, look, I'm no war hawk. It's not that I want to go to war with Iran, but I also don't want to kowtow to them like we're doing right now. It's just, it's the most frustrating thing in the world. And Josh, if we didn't cover it on a previous episode, I don't remember if you did or not, about what's eventually going to happen in Yemen. They're just, they're postponing the inevitable. By paralysis of analysis, the State Department, eventually the rubber's got to meet the road. The rubber's got to meet the road and world trade has to keep going. So that means what? What are, what are your views on this? It's just, it's just, it just absolutely frustrated me because I haven't worked for, with State Department for the time I did. It, it, a bunch of eggheads who can't make a decision is what this is. We don't want to piss anybody off. What happens is we put boots on the ground in Yemen. That's the only that's the only way you deal with the Houthis. All right. We and, and you know, and I know we know, and you know, most of our listeners know too, air air alone will not solve that problem. You can't you you have to be able to hold ground and and everything and we're going to have to put boots on the ground and go deal with the Houthi rebels um, at some point. So that's what's, that's what's eventually going to happen. That's the inevitable. Let me, right. let, me, okay. let me, let me ask you this, like boots on the ground, like for real, that's blessed off by everyone, or I'm, I'm putting my air quotes here, boots on the ground. Because for a long time, you remember, I think I was in Iraq and Syria for a while when the administrations were saying, there's no boots on the ground in Iraq. So you're oh, talking yeah, like no, boots it'll on totally, the ground or quote boots on the ground. No, air quote boots on the ground. This will be, and this will be Congress isn't going to get a say. They're going to use the AUMF again, right? That thing has been abused more than Tina Turner. And that's what's gonna that's what's gonna happen. SOCOM's gonna have to, you know, SOCOM's gonna do SOCOM's gonna be the, you know, they're gonna pick up the the heavy lift on that as they always do. And we're going to put our guys, our saw personnel back through the ringer once again, you know, to go, to go deal with, with these clowns, you know, are they, are they on par with us when it comes to capability? Not even remotely close. Um, But make no mistake. This is not, this is not Al Shabaab in Somalia. 
this is not the you know this is not the Taliban. These dudes landed a helic. They did a helicopter assault onto a moving cargo ship. That that is legit. All right, they are hitting ships with anti ship missiles. That is pretty legit. Um, all right, so these I mean these guys are no, <clears throat> yeah. They're no, you know, they're no U.S. SOCOM, but at the end of the day, don't, you know, don't mistake these for, you know, just booger eaters who don't know what they're doing. They have a little bit of capability. Um, as for Operation Prosperity Garden or Guardian, whatever the hell they're called, Operation Prosperity Guardian. Uh, so France pulled out today. Uh, France said they are doing their own, their own thing when it comes to uh, escorting ships. The France US is known Navy, for doing that. <laughs> France is known for doing that. You know, it's just, it's the French being French. Um, but the U S Navy also said that we don't necessarily have enough ships in the U S Navy to pull escort duties for all the ships that are transiting and maintain our presence, you know, elsewhere in the, uh, you know, around the globe. So, you know, there's, there's that to think about. Um, as far as, you know, as, as far as opportunities, all right. So those ships, you know, coming from Asia, coming from China, you know, through the Indian Ocean, back up there, you know, through the uh, through the Strait into the Red Sea, on through the Suez Canal, and everything. You know, is this an opportunity to leverage? You know, pull pull some levers against China, impose some costs, um, because you know that you slow down some Chinese shipping. Now it would. No, you know, it's going to impose cost on us as well because, you know, people aren't going to get their cheap Chinese goods on time and they're going to pay a little more for them. But is this something that we could exploit to, you know, impose some cost on China? Be like, hey, China, sorry, you're, you know, sorry, your ships are getting sunk in the Red Sea. Um, you know, you know, I don't know. You know, there's there's opportunity everywhere. You know, chaos, chaos is a ladder. Um, you know, to quote, to quote little finger from game of Thrones. Um, but it's definitely all intertwined. I know we talked about that, you know, everything is intertwined. Um, there's, there's nothing here that is just, okay, this is just a red sea problem. Like, no, this is a global problem. Um, but we can't do anything about it. Uh, you know, until, until we get a new administration in, uh, at, you know, at the very least, because, you know, and you brought up a good point, Luke. The Biden administration, the same with the Obama, Obama administration, they're one and the same. For some reason, they have always bent the knee to Iran. Always. Obama, Obama did it, you know, in both terms. Um, Trump absolutely did not do it, you know, just for the, you know, just from him killing Soleimani showed that they were not, you know, the, the, uh, the gloves were off with Iran. And then we put them back on with the Biden administration. But we can't, you know, yeah, I, the, the Houthi problem is directly tied to the Israel-Palestine uh, problem and, and the Hamas problem. Um, and so, you know, Hamas came out today and said that they're not releasing any more hostages unless Israel stops the, their ground offensive and I didn't see anything after that um, about, uh, 
you know, about what Israel, I don't know if they have put out a response, Roger, or, or not, but uh, my, my, my response to that, I think I, I think I tweeted it out was, okay, so you're not going to release any until we're done. Not a problem. You know, just go ahead. I would raise every building in Gaza. I would, I would level every single one. Just go ahead and drop it. It would be, dude, it would be like when we pushed into Raqqa against ISIS, just leveling buildings. I mean, I, I think we got to the point where we were leveling more buildings than we were killing people. It was just building after building was getting leveled, um, you know, just dropping them. And I think that's what I think that's what Israel does. Uh, damn the world opinion. Damn civilian casualties. You know, because here's the thing. If Israel was not worried about civilian casualties, they would have finished this operation on like October the 9th. It wouldn't still be going on. All right. If they were truly, you know, if they truly did not care about civilian casualties, this thing would have been over in 72 hours. Uh, they have the means to do it. So, and then I would salt the earth with Gaza and to hell with the Palestinians. Um, whoever, whoever survives, survives. Whoever dies, dies. Whatever. That's where I'd leave it at. So, I haven't heard anything else to come out of that, though. I don't know if you have, Roger. No, there supposedly there's some back channel talks, you know, as there always are or whatever. But at, at the end of the day, the only way you're going to have peace over there is like you just said, you know, Israel's just going to have to wipe them off the face of the earth and, and call it what it is. Because, oh, by the way, uh, you know, Hamas and the Palestinians, that's what they want to do to the Jews. OK, so, you know, everybody's like, oh, the Jewish people and, and Israel, look at all the killings. Like, dude, Hamas still has hostages. Oh, well, that's different. That's different. You know, so the only way you have peace over there is, is you just annihilate me, wipe them off the face of the earth and, and, and get over with it. We've seen this before. And you, know, you talked about how the Democrats and, and you know, want to appease Iran and this and that. We, we, we've seen this before. We've seen this playbook before. Uh, I, I don't know if a lot of our listeners remember the agreed framework uh, and President Clinton and North Korea. And what did that lead to? It, it led to nuclear weapons because you're dealing with, with, with shitbags. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, not everybody tells the truth. A lot of folks lie. Rogue nations lie. Our enemies or those that have ideas that are inimical to ours, they lie, right, to get what they want. And that's exactly what's happening with uh, Iran, the JCPOA, when Trump pulled us out of it. Uh, Barry and Biden and the rest of the Democrats want us back in there so bad because they believe that, hey, once we get back in the JCPOA, Iran will stop enriching you know, uranium and, and they'll never get a nuclear weapon. Why? Because I, you know, Iran said that's what they were going to do. That's it. You know, it, it, is the, it is the North Korea playbook all over again. And they are hell-bent on going back into the JCPOA, bringing Iran back to the table, Hey, we'll provide, we'll build you some nuclear, you know, electric plants and this and that, or, and whatever it is, and provide them aid and, and unfree some assets and unfree some money, because surely you won't use any of that to, to enrich any uranium or make, you know, nuclear uh, grade ballistics and R and D and this. And, that. and it's like we've talked about before, you know, money, it, it's fungible, meaning it's transferable. If I use a certain dollar, you know, if it's $10 here that I was spending on, 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 food or whatever it is, and you give me $10, I can shift that money around, right? It's not like it's a direct payment. I just shift the money around. Well, that money's not being used for this, but something else is. 
They just want back in the JCPOA. I mean, it, it kills me because, you know, history is a cycle and, and we've gone through this before. And at what point do you say, hey, um, you probably don't need to take Hamas for its work. You probably don't need to take North Korea for its work. You probably don't need to take the Iranians for their words because they're going to lie to you. And at the end of the day, like Josh said, you know, it's, it's a, almost like a scorched earth policy. I mean, you just have to bomb the hell out of them. You know what? This would look great as a parking lot. And I think once you do that, and, and the problem is, and this is the, you know, you get into the force projection. If they don't believe you're going to do it, then you get exactly what you have right now. When we turned Soleimani into a bowl of salsa, I mean, just think about it for a second. When that happened, what do you think went through the leadership of the Iranian army, the Iranian government, the Shahs? It's like, holy shit, I could actually be next. There was some fear there, right? And, and you plan your actions accordingly. It's like, hey, you know what? The big dog got up and, and bit somebody. Uh, let me chill out a little bit. But since we've gone on this whole, you know, appeasing everybody tour, uh, you know, Barry went on the the apology tour. Well, we saw how that worked out, right? And then Biden, you know, a, another apology tour, and then you know, appeasing the Iranians. And, and and mark my words, did we get back in JCPOA? It'll be the exact. It'll be North Korea all over again. There will be no change for there. Uh, as far as the you know, back to the Hamas and and the Palestinians and and Israel, it's like, hey man, to me in my eyes, uh, as long as you have you know hostages. Uh, we're going to continue the ground offensive and we are going, you are going to find out what from the river to the sea actually means, right? You're just going to wipe them off the face of the earth. That is the only solution that for that, because any ceasefire that you have, any peace agreement you have, that army loosely termed Hamas, the terrorist group, they're going to use that to refit, right? Recoup, refit, restock, rearm, and then you know what? In another eight months, 10 months, some more rockets will go off. That, that's just the way that is. I mean, do you see that any different, Luke? No. No, I agree with everything y'all said. I thought you were going to go into another topic. I thought you were going to transition into something else. So I am. I am. It, just pisses, <laughs> it pisses me off. No, it no, no. Me off. It, 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 it's... Um, I think this is uh, maybe the third one we talked about, about Israel, maybe more. Um, I'm not going to say I'm done with it. It's just I'm not done with it. But I have my views. They haven't changed. I have my views on Ukraine. They haven't changed. And the more nonsense I see coming out of this, the more upset I get. And it's just like, okay, well, you know, I'm just not going to waste my my mental energy on this. I'm not going to change anyone's mind. I mean, uh, we basically, let's be honest, we, uh, you know, the, the people that follow us on Twitter, uh, the people who listen to this podcast, it's all kind of an echo chamber. And I, you know, when people don't agree with us, I'd love to hear it, but I don't. Uh, y'all don't be afraid to disagree with us on this stuff. It's just, I, I, you're wrong, but whatever. You're wrong. Yeah. If you disagree with us, you're wrong. But, you know, you see the, 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 the free Palestine, you know, uh, spray painted on the Lincoln Memorial. On the, on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial the other day. And it's just like, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, I'm like the dog in the house, you know, the, 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 the meme of the dog in the house. This is fine. You know, sip the coffee is everything burns down around them. And it's like, 
There's no change of people's minds. It's like, you know, Jordan Peterson is right. It's like these people, you don't realize that you're, you're parroting, you know, Nazi propaganda is exactly what you're doing. You think that you're not, you think that you're standing up for the oppressed, but you're not. Um, there's so much to say on that, but I agree with you guys. That's all there is to it. I don't think, I don't think there's a need to, to belabor that point any further. I'm sitting here looking at the map, uh, of Israel, and I'm looking at the north up there where Hezbollah is. <laughs> you know, Lebanon's trying to keep them under control. And there's a lot to say on this, but uh, Roger, I'll kick it back to you because we we definitely uh, wanted to to touch on something that one of our listeners uh, brought up to you, and it is an interesting conversation because the, in, as we were exchanging texts, we're like, yeah, I, I, I don't really see it that way uh, in my experience, but I have seen this. So, if you want to introduce the topic, man, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. So have a, we have a listener and, uh, like all of us, he's, he's got a couple kids. Um, you know, they're, they're in their, I think they're mid twenties right now, but, and they're all good kids. All of our kids are good kids. They're great kids. It's just, it's different on their outlook and yeah, <laughs> Luke's waving. It's like, eh, they're, they're all different in their outlook and how they perceive things. And one of the things that was brought up was uh, this particular listener was like, well, his oldest kids, uh, there is a sense of entitlement there. And, and, and entitlement as in he was talking about, you guys are pricing us out of the housing market. You guys have raised interest rates. You guys are making it so living is not affordable. You know, I should be able to buy this. I should be able to do that. I shouldn't have to work 40 hours, yada, 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 right? And I think he was saying they were born in like the mid-90s. Um, and then, uh, his younger kid is very appreciative of everything they have. Okay. You know, just, just day to day, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, man, it's kind of cool. I get, I have a good job. Uh, I make decent money. Um, you know, and, and, and the oldest kids, they make really good money. Now they've earned it. All right. They, they went to a very prestigious, uh, you know, uh, postgraduate school. They earned their way through it. Um, scholarships, that type of stuff. So th they've earned everything they have. Um, but you know, it's funny because the younger child who was born in the late nineties, is just generally, Hey man, I make good money. You know, I kind of get to live on my own in my apartment, do my thing and life's great. And so I started looking at like my kids and I was like, man, that's kind of strange. I said, because my oldest, um, is about there, you know, the same age as his oldest. I was like, yeah, I kind of see that with my oldest. And then as I get to my youngest that are born late nineties, uh, in early 2000s, I'm like, man, there's definitely a lot more appreciation there. Uh, there is zero, I mean, I say zero, uh, zero entitlement. It's like, hey, I have to work for everything that I'm going to get. And I'm very thankful for everything that I have because life could be a lot worse. It could be better, but life could definitely be a lot worse. Um, so I tweeted out to the group here and, you know, and, and it was kind of interesting because I think we have different, uh, you know, our kids are different age groups. And some of it's kind of flip-flop. So I guess the question, I'll, I'll throw it over to Josh first. You know, you've all heard nature versus nurture and this and that, yada, yada, yada. What do you think, and, and you've got 30 seconds to answer this, what do you think leads to that perspective and that perception that those kids have? You know, I, I, and I ask that because before I talked to you, when I was talking to our listener, you know, I started thinking like, okay, well, you know, if you're born in 95, it's like, you know, when, when are you truly impressionable? You know, probably, you know, your, your double digits or maybe when you get to your early teens, 
Uh, so now you're looking at 2005 when you turn 10, you're, you're 2008 um, when, you, when you hit your teens. Well, you know, Barry took over in, in 2008, so maybe there's something to do with that. But then, you know, you guys had to have, have had different experiences with it. So is there anything in particular that you think is like, what leads to that? Is it something in the household? Is it something culturally that's going on? And, and why are that my you know, initial perception was, oh, it's kind of that way for all of the age groups, uh, for all of us, respective of our kids. Uh, and then, you know, obviously talking to you guys, it's not. So what leads to that difference? I think there's a, I think there's a lot of variables that, that lead to that, but, I think the biggest one, you know, so all of my kids, I mean, our, our oldest was born in 2004. All right. So, um, you know, my, my, my kids are a little younger than, you know, your guys's. Um, I think it was, so, I think it's social media, you know, because when I was a kid growing up, we didn't have a lot of money. All right. We weren't, you know, we weren't poor, poor, but, you know, we didn't have a lot of, you didn't get anything at the store unless it was your birthday or Christmas. That was it that's when you got toys, you know, and stuff. But I also understood that like the things that my parents had, that was, you know, over decades of accumulation, that was over decades of working and buying and taking care of your things. You know, when, you know, I, I think kids these days, they look at it and, you know, and, and we kind of had to talk with, you know, ours a little bit too. Cause they're like, well, you know, when, when I get out of college, I'm going to buy a house like, you know, ours, and blah, blah blah. I was like, "No, you're not. Like, not not today. You're not. Are you crazy?" And you know, th- like this, like you know, think about. It. Then we had to go back. Okay, think about the house that we lived in in Maryland, right? That was that's probably what you're going to be looking at. You know, maybe in your early, you know in your late twenties, early thirties. And this is what we use. You know, to press them. Hey, this is why you need a good education. You work hard, save your money, be smart, blah blah, invest and everything. But I, I think, I, I think Gen Zers and millennials, I think they have this misperception that, you know, oh, well, I grew up in, you know, mom and dad had a nice house. Mom and dad had, you know, good paying jobs and they had, you know, mom and dad have a Jeep and a forerunner sitting in the driveway. Well, I should be able to have that too the day I graduate college. Uh, uh, no, no, that's not how that works. You know, it's like, you know, everybody's seen Grand Torino when, you know, what's his face is in his garage and be like, man, how'd you get all these tools? I can't afford all these tools. And, you know, Clint Eastwood's like, dude, this is over a lifetime, you know, uh, of accumulate. Like, this is not something you just show up, you know, the day you get out of school and, and, and you walk into a, a, you know, a six figure job, you know, a big house, you know, new cars. Like that's not, that's not realistic. It, it's not realistic now. And it wasn't realistic, you know, when we were kids either, um, you know, and, I know Luke, you know, and uh, I know Luke's opinion on a couple of these things about how, you know, we had it versus how Gen Zers and millennials had it. Um, I'll let him, you know, I'll let him, I'll let till his thunder. Uh, but I, are the price of goods a little, you know, are, are they more expensive than they were, you know, when we grew up? Absolutely. You know, but my kids are also getting, you know, jobs at fast food restaurants, you know, starting, you know, almost triple the pay that I started at bagging groceries, you know, so, eh, you know, are, are, are they going to have to, you know, are they going to have to work a little harder? Maybe, but I, I think it's social media and I think it's, yeah, I think it's just a case 
a large part of it, not all of it, but I think it's just a large part of it, man, is to, is to keep it up with the Joneses thing. And they see social media, these influencers out there who, you know, have their, you know, their Louis bags and they're flying private jets and stuff like that. And they think, well, well uh, I should be able to do that too. It's like, okay, well, you can, but there's some shit you got to do first. And it ain't just because, you know, you check the box. I got my college degree. Okay. Like, no, you need the right one. And, and so, I, yeah, man, I, I think there's a lot of variables, but I think social media really changed it um, for for a lot of us, especially this younger generation. Yeah, I think social media is the is the dark horse behind why I believe that I'm still right on this stuff I was telling my kids 13 years ago or longer. I, I, I'd have to pull out my abacus to figure out how – how long ago it was when I broke out the whiteboard for, for the two kids and tried to stress to them, look, you see how we're living now. This seems great, right? And I broke it all out. Everything. This is this is how much I pay in mortgage. Boom. Wrote that down. This is how much I pay in electric, the utilities, everything. This is how much I pay for internet. This is how much I pay for direct TV. This is how much I pay for the cars. This is how much I pay for insurance. And then I basically, I divided it, you know, into quarters, right? Your mom, me, you, and you, okay? This is how much you're going to have to make to maintain this sort of lifestyle. I broke that down to them way back in the day. And I I, I hear what you're saying, Josh, and I, I agree with it too. I agree with it. But that's what I'm going to say where the, the social media is a dark horse. You're, you're probably right. It's like, they're probably not going to have to, I've always said for years, I said, you're going to have to work harder than we did to have this kind of life at this age. Maybe, maybe not. I may be right on that. Maybe I'm not. But social media is that thing that's pushing them to think, no, I had to have this now because it's that FOMO. You're seeing the best of everything. You're not seeing the, the amount of hours you have to work, you know, and, and now it's kind of sinking in and these videos are coming out on TikTok. I have to work five days a week and I only have the weekend to enjoy myself. It's like, welcome to reality, <laughs> bitch. That's the way it is. And, 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 you know, there's some, there's some character to be built there, you know, and yeah, to get back to Roger's thing about the generations, you know, I, 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 I typed stuff to y'all and I, I thought about it more. I've always said that with my two kids, at least, you know, nature versus nurture, whatever. I don't, I don't know if this is the nurture or the nature, but they've always worked very hard. They've always worked very hard on their own shit, right? You tell them to clean the room or take out the garbage. They're going to drag their heels, you know, drag <laughs> their feet. But when it comes out to hustling out there, hustling, they are hustling because that's their shit, you know? So, you know, we're like, oh, they're lazy. They don't do anything around the house. Well, maybe so. But when it's their stuff, they're seeing this stuff on social media. At least they recognize, okay, I'm going to have to work really hard to get this. So at least there's that. I'll give them that. Um, the entitlement, I think Josh kind of, and Roger touched on it too. I think the entitlement comes from the outside pressures a little bit. Um, and I have to say, if I was in their situation right now, because the housing market does not look good, guys. It doesn't look good. And I understand kind of where they're coming from. But to Josh's point, you may have to live in a shithole for a little while. Like I've got okay, so I've got two different situations with two different kids, right? 
We've got a daughter who's an officer. If she gets married to another officer, two captains with no kids, that's that's pretty respectable, man. You're making it rain. Good. You're making it rain before you're even 30. You know, and then I got the other kid who's going to the medical field and he's going to have a shitload of student loans to pay off. So he's going to have to live frugally. He'll have a good income. No doubt about that. But he's going to have to live frugally. And it's like, I bet in his mind, you know, the house he lived in, my, my slum house here in Lubbock, which all he <laughs> used to make. I was like, that, you know, he he didn't like living there because the, the crime was a little high. It's, it's, it was a night, it was a decent house on the inside, but the outside didn't look that great. The inside it was good. It's like, I bet you didn't think you might have to live in that sort of house for like seven years after you graduate when you're making it happen on your own. I think he's starting to realize that. And I think he's realizing, you know what? This is just this is the way it's gonna go. So I'm not all down on this generation. And I know it's anecdotal because we're talking about our own kids. I think we've all three of us raised our kids right. But I see a little hope, at least anecdotally. It's like, I know they're going to work for it. They'll bitch about it, but they're not going to, you know, but they'll work for it. Which, Roger, I'll kick it back to you. But I want you to hit on what we were talking about in the text with all these TikTok videos. At some point, hit on this. All these TikTok videos of the soldiers <laughs> bitching about the food, bitching about the pay, bitching about how their leaders don't respect them. <laughs> and everybody's freaking out. It's like these soldiers, these these service members are just so bad. It's like, well, I, I kind of have a different view of that. But you go ahead. I'll kick it to you, man. Now, I think uh, and I didn't really think about it. I should have. But I think, Josh, you hit it on the head of the social media piece because – it is that keeping up with the Jones and I didn't grow up poor, but it's like, I didn't know if I was poor or not because you didn't have anything to relate it to. Right. I wasn't seeing social media posts every day on, Hey, here's my Louis Vuitton, you know, purse. Here's my new Rolex. Here's my brand new. You know, I had my close circle of friends, you know, the three kids that lived in my neighborhood. Uh, and, and that was it. So what they had, if I had kind of had what they had, then we were about equal. You know, and if I didn't have what they had, well, okay, that kind of sucked. Whereas now, it's like no matter what you have, you're always seeing kids on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is, that have so much more, so much better, right? And you're like, oh, wow, how come I don't have that? The other thing I think you you look at is the amenities nowadays versus what I had as a kid. Because I remember when I was a kid and, and moving, I'm like, man, I just want an apartment, one bedroom. It can be a studio. I don't even care. Right. Just my own place. That was the thing. I just want my own place. Dude, I didn't care about square footage, backyard, nothing. I'm just, I just want my own place, do my own thing. And, and back then your amenities really was a microwave oven and cable TV. And even that like cable TV in my bedroom at, at when I lived at home, I had a little 13 inch TV. There was nothing else. So you could kind of replicate what you had at home. Now the house obviously wasn't as nice and I didn't have any food and, and all that other stuff, but you know, but I could rec replicate my my daily comforts uh, pretty closely. It's like, okay, back then cable was pretty cheap. You know, you pay like 30 bucks a month for basic cable, but there were no cell phones. You know, there was no internet. Uh, There's no Netflix and Apple TV and all that stuff. I mean, so it was like, hey, man, outside of my, my truck payment uh, and my cable TV, I pretty much had what I had at the house. Can I ask you this? Nowadays. Yeah. Can I ask you this? So what years are you talking about here? Real quick, like uh, the three years. I'd say like, for, well, I graduated high school in 93. So you, you're looking around from 93, you know, forward. Okay. All right. right. So 
you know, from that time frame, it, it was very easy to replicate what I had at home as far as those comfort items. Nowadays, it's not like that because it's like, hey, man, you know, my kids are adults. I'm still paying the cell phone bill. My kids are adults and I have to get the 20 screen package on Netflix because not only do I got to pay for it to watch it myself, right? Uh, I've got to pay for my kid to watch it. And then when my kid goes to his friend's house, I've got to make sure that I'm covering their TV because they'll just keep hitting, you know, log in and I just keep getting disconnected. Right. So you're paying for all the Netflixes for everybody, all the Apple TVs for everybody, all your Hulus and Paramounts and and Internet connectivity and Starlinks. There's just so much more that they have to pay for now to replicate what they have at the house. But, so, it, it, no, no, no. no hold. They don't have to have that. Well, no, no. I'm saying this is how they view it. This is how they view it. They yeah. view that. And I, I want to maintain it was easier for us as kids, young adults to replicate the comfort items of home because there wasn't as much out there versus now, but and they going, feel they have to have it. And going above and beyond that, right? Replicating and all that stuff. It's like back in the day, you remember the movie wall street with Michael Douglas and he's walking mm -hmm. on the yeah. beach with his big brick cell phone. It's like, yeah. Oh man, dude, that guy is ripped. Exactly. He's got it made. And then in 1998, I believe my dad let me borrow his cell phone. He, he was in telecommunications back then. He let me borrow it. So I had this little flip phone. I was like, dude, I'm, I'm MFing Gordon Gecko up in here. So, so, so we had a different frame of reference in these kids. What these kids right. are seeing on social media is these, these you know kids their age who are living in Saudi Arabia, wherever they are, taking private jets. They will never get there, ever. Yeah. Whereas I had a little flip phone, and I'm like, I'm MFing Gordon Gecko. You've so arrived, yeah. In there. Yeah. Yeah. Now to tie this into the whole complaining soldier thing, it's, it's funny because when uh, I had one of my first deployments when I joined the military was uh, to Port-au-Prince, Haiti. And your showers there, dude, like I don't think people are, it's one, you didn't have any heaters. Um, it, it was solar, baby. And I'm talking about pure solar as in the sun beats on that tank and you just hope it warms it up enough. Uh, and you stood on basically one by eight slats of wood and we had a, a chain. It's like mass showers, man. You pulled the chain and water came down. And when you let go of the chain, there weren't any water, right? Uh, fast forward, it had a couple of deployments here and there. And, and most of the other deployments I did, especially when you look at the Balkans, you know, it was a little bit more built up. But then I get to Afghanistan. And as soon as I get there, like, they're all apologizing. And he's like, hey, you know, I'm getting the, the tour of the, the, the base. And he's like, yeah, man, you know, sorry. You know, they, uh, it's, you know he called it community shower. So I'm thinking, Oh, it's like basic training. You know, you got 15 spigots and we're all just in there and you're showering together. Oh no, they were individual shower stalls. They were just all in one bathroom. Right. So you had your individual shower stall, you had your curtains, we had washers and dryers, you had porcelain toilets, but they, man, they were just bitching about it. I'm just like, dude, this is heaven. And I've got Wi-Fi. <laughs> I could, I could stay here a year if I had to, not that I wanted to, but you know, I, I could make this work for a year because I went through a, a lot worse, but going back to like your, and you could tie the social media thing in with the soldiers. Hey, you know what? Soldiers have always bitched. And I think uh, both of you texted it, you know, virtually the same time. If soldiers aren't bitching, that's when you need to start, start worrying yep. because now they're planning and now they're doing something else. Hey, you know what? They're bitching about the food and they're bitching about the quality of life or whatever. Because again, I believe, you know, and it's probably more prevalent now because you see it in the social media where they see how kids their age in Dubai are living 
right? And they're like, well, I'm sharing a room and I got two bunks in here and I got to share a wall locker with this guy when this kid in Dubai is driving the brand new, you know, Lamborghini or, or whatever. But hey, you know what? For those people out there to get all fired up about it and then you guys can correct me, I'm right. Soldiers have bitched since the beginning of time. That's right. Now, I still bitch you about know, it and I'm retired. <laughs> you, know? you know, I'll kick it to Josh and, and we're getting pretty close to time here. So I just got a quick thought on that and then I'll I'll give some Christmas thoughts and whatever and then kick it to Josh and maybe Roger can close us out. But well, I try to get across to my daughter who's in the military and these soldiers who are bitching on TikTok. It's like, can you understand the bigger picture? Can you understand the bigger picture? There was someone in the Golden Horde bitching that they didn't get enough donkey meat that night. And it's too cold out here. And you are in a brotherhood. You're in a brotherhood of men at arms that goes back to time immemorial to, to back before, back before, you know, there's written history. Soldiers, bitch, they complain. It's like, suck it up, man. That's, you know, I don't understand the, the, the concept because I joined the military and part of what was going through my mind is I want this. I want the suffering. I still complained about it when it happened. But I want it. It's like, you know, whatever. I think it's a healthy thing. I, I get it, the TikTok thing, and maybe it's going to hurt recruiting numbers and stuff. But some redneck in West Virginia is going to see that and be like, hell yeah, brother, that's what I want. And brother, someday that guy's going to be a Delta operator. And that's just all there is to it. So, uh, you know what? I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I think it's hilarious, honestly. So, it's the Christmas season. I think we we talked at the top about you know getting your shopping done and everything. Um, yeah, man. So, so you know, remember the reason for the season, right? It's Christ's birth. You know, it's uh, not only that, but getting everybody together. So winter solstice. You know, days are going to start getting longer now, and uh, there's some room for hope in there. You know, we talk about a lot of dark dark topics here, but there is some room for hope, and uh, y'all enjoy your families. Enjoy opening your presents. I hope Santa's nice to you. But uh, judging by the the listenership of this audience, there's probably a lot of naughty folks out there. But hopefully Santa will be nice to you anyway. Josh, what do you got? I say, so when, uh, you know, so I played soccer in high school and uh, played soccer and baseball. But my soccer coach, especially, he was this little Irish guy, uh, Vinny. And when he was not yelling at you during the game, that's when you knew you were screwing up. If he was yelling at you, we were like, bro, I'm good. Like, I'm good. You know, it, it, people, you know, freaking out about soldiers complaining now. And they're like, oh, you know, and I saw, you know, a lot of the tweets and stuff. They were like, oh, soldiers these days. Like, you never met Private Josh. Because Private Josh is a lot, right? And so it was just, it, it's one of those, like you said, man, when, when they, if they're not complaining, that's when you need to worry because they're going to go all William Kreutzer on you. That was a guy who, you know, started shooting up the PT formation uh, on, yeah. on Bragg back in, back in the nineties. Um, you know, so soldiers complain and Luke's right. There was some soldier in, you know, the legions, you know, somewhere be like, Caesar sucks. This is hard. I'm hungry. I'm tired. I'm wet. I'm cold. I don't get paid enough for this crap. You know, I don't want to go fight the, you know, the halls, right? You know, once again, I don't want to go fight the German barbarians um, anymore. <laughs> you know, whatever it is, it, it happens, and, and let them do it. That's you know, I always said soldiers. Soldiers have no rights except for one, and that is to complain. So, Luke, let your let your daughter know that um, soldiers have one right, and that is to complain. So, yeah, for uh, for Christmas, I'll throw it over to Roger uh, to close us out. 
have a have a merry christmas uh you know especially you know spend it with friends and family if you can uh do us a, you know do me a favor you got people who don't have a significant other they might be by themselves the holidays are hard um it's really hard on folks who are by themselves or you know if they're dealing with a with a holiday where you know they may have recently lost a loved one um you know it might be the first you know holiday season without that one that that person reach out to them start with the strong people first because uh, those are the ones that that, that aren't going to ask for the help. And uh, other than that, I'll throw it over to Roger. Yeah, same thing. Just wishing everybody a Merry Christmas. Uh, big shout out to all of our listeners. And uh, kind of like Josh is saying, you know, take care of each other. Look after each other, right? Even just a simple little text here and there uh, is, is good. And uh, count your blessings, right? Count your blessings because you never know when, when it's your time. So, with that being said, we wish everybody a very, very Merry Christmas. Hopefully a safe and, and happy New Year. Uh, maybe mine will be an intoxicated New Year. But uh, keep your canteen cups tightly secured. <laughs>